Blog Talk Radio. And now, Coachside Radio proudly presents Carl and Steve Go to the Movies. Take it away, guys! Greetings, sorry. Oh, Lord. We ready? We're on the air. Sorry. I was late. It's all my fault. Okay. Hold on. Okay, hello everybody. It's Memorial Day weekend. And really this was the big movie kickoff of the summer, except that when me and Carl was kids, during Memorial Day weekend, you would get the big B movies on Memorial Day weekend, wouldn't you, Carl? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You get the the big tent pools. The Star Wars, well, not the all big those tent types of things. That was close. No, that was when I was in the teen in the nineties. When I mean the big B movies is like July, you would get Conan and the Barbarian. But in May this month you would get the Sword and the Sorcerer by Albert Pune. The Cannonball Run, the B Yeah, to be honest, uh, none of that really connects with me. Um, I mean, back in the day hey, when you I was... You have the one the 70. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where I was going. I was I was at the uh, drive-in. So, you know, we yeah. weren't talking about tentpole movies. We weren't talking about even Burt Reynolds movies. We're talking about, uh, uh, um, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis and... Uh, Ross Myers and uh, all those wonderful things. Yeah, that's what I mean. Drive-in tentpole movies were genres, not franchises. No, no, yeah, and and even so, on my one that I was dealing with, it was specifically even like the '60s stuff. He'd go back to the '60s. It wasn't even the late films that came out that year. You know, yeah. uh, exploitation, biker films, uh, lots of new world. Always play comes the blood. Yeah, oh, you know, new world. Uh, is the king of the king of the early. Yeah, summer. yeah, lots of new world. I mean, lots of Corman. So you know, all the yeah, the uh, nurses movies, uh, uh, student nurse movies, and student teacher movies, and all that bullshit. TNA, yeah. buddy. Well, the teacher ones were weird. Especially at one of the uh, young uh, summer school teachers. That's the weird one with the the teacher that gets caught with a nude uh, spread in Playboy magazine. Oh, right, right. I remember that. Yeah. Of course, you know, they were all and like where that. where they play football I mean, the one and I... all that. 
you know, the one I remember that we ran, uh, uh, the teacher movie was um, was the teacher, the the uh, Crown International one. That was bizarre shit. I mean, it starts out as, hey, Dennis the Menace is fucking his teacher. All right. Hey, yep. wait, this is weird. And then you got the last feeling like, okay, this went weird, but this is fucked up. <laughs> yep. Hey, yeah, but definitely. Where did the cycle with the shotgun come from? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, you know, of course, the big two early summer films that you wouldn't open in the seventies. The first would be uh, Billy Jack, which is yeah. uh, not as good as people said it to be. I like Born Losers better just because it's meaner. Oh well, I happen to agree with you on that. I definitely agree with you on that. Then there's Gone in 60 Seconds. God damn, that one is so good. That is the ultimate car crash porn move because uh, it shows like 40 minutes of plot, and then it says, okay, for the last 45 minutes of the movie, we angled everyone that he could. He had three cop cars, so he had a lot of cop car crashes. He had a fucking garbage truck. We had a goddamn garbage truck. Yep, we did. And we did. I, I mean, I love all that stuff. I mean, that's what I grew yeah. up on, were those type of movies. Yeah. That's how I became such a movie nut. Seriously. Yeah, it was from 11 to about 13. Well, until I was about 13, that's what you would on Memorial Day, the early day of summer, you would get the B movies that would come in and make the money, like uh, Con Air was in the 90s, you know, the ones that aren't the yeah. big flashy films. But they come in, they do their job, and enjoy the holy shit out of them. Yeah, and of course, you know, let's not forget, you know, it might not be uh, Memorial Day, um, but but you get into uh, uh, the mid seventies and Jaws and all that sort of thing too. I mean that that changed things. Yeah, completely. Jaws is the ultimate Memorial Day weekend. But that cracks me up. I was just thinking about Jaws. I mean, it was like, man, this is fucked up. I mean, we got this crazy motherfucking politician wanting to keep the beaches open. Don't give a damn about the human care. And all of a sudden, holy shit, Jaws. Yep. Yep. Well, welcome to real life. It's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the first Jaws is great. But some of the ripoffs are a lot. Well, Jaws is the first one where it's the movie great. Usually with a French film, you would have, like, with the exorcist, you would have Beyond the Door. Which right. is, the exorcist was the A film, but Beyond the Door was the cheesy B movie version. Y'all! Hell, even the director, Doss, called it fast B movie knockoff. 
you're like, oh, hell, it's funny. Hell, it's a great film. Well, let's not sue it. Mm-hmm. And you know what movie? What movie would that be? I'm not sure. Tell us. Joe Dante, Carl, and one of our favorite directors. Okay, just just so you know, I'm having a Brother. I'm having some trouble hearing you. Oh, well. Piranha. Oh, great movie, man. Great fucking film. Yeah. That is the end of Jaws and Jane. Great movie. And and so much it's fun, too. I love that film. Yeah. It's not everything that we loved in a new world 70s exploitation capo. Well, they were well, special. I mean... I mean, if you look at uh, New World and what what she did, okay, so you're taking a look at drive-ins. Drive-ins were primarily for the teenagers. You know, they all want to make out, shit like that, right? And so she Mm -hmm. developed, you know, films and tropes that were specifically for that audience. And and, uh, he did such a good job of it. So what, what were the basic elements, the elements... Of course, very simply, were tits and ass, some action, mm-hmm. and more tits and ass. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's no, it. No, and some horror or some sci-fi, one. you know. No, you're forgetting the third one. Which is Paul Bartel and Jake Miller. Oh yeah. Agreed. You would, you know, it's like. You know, I mean, you would hire them as the comic relief and all that. Mm-hmm. New World Pictures, before Corman got bored and sold it, was one of the best well oil machines there was. You had well, not only Dante. was it a well-oiled machine, let's not forget it was a goddamn film school. Yeah, like I said, you had Look Joe how Dante many people went through that. Yeah, Joe, let's see, uh, uh, Joe Dante, Alan Arkish. If it wasn't for Joe Dante and Alan Arkish, you wouldn't have gone and seen a new world picture. And that's very true. You know, but not only so that, let's look look form. at Scorsese. You know, Scorsese, you know. Oscar Bertha. Yeah. Uh, Coppola. Uh, Ron Howard. Yeah, Coppola. Absolutely, Ron Howard. Yeah. No. To me, one of the most amazing things he ever did on film was the was the trailer for Eat My Dust. Oh yeah. And you know why? Well, was that 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 ad right? That ad was fucking amazing. The trailer. Yeah. What he did is he actually sat in the middle of a stock car, well, demolition derby. Uh, arena in a chair while about 20 or 30 cars zoomed around him barely missed him by the inch and not flinching while describing the movie yep you think you'd allow the A-list director or a big director of a movie to do that as a trailer yep that's going to happen too often yeah. 
And, of course, you had the gangster films in there, which were the Big Bad Mama, Bloody Mama, Crazy Mama, which is yeah, the least the mama least. films. If you, if you watch uh, Big Bad Mama and uh, Bloody Mama, saying that uh, Crazy Mama is the least of them is like saying that it's like, well, she only fucked me twice instead of three times. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about those films, you know, okay, they were gangster films, but they still had all the tropes. Look at Big Bad Mama, man. There's that fucking threesome. And that. And that's uh, what fucking William... No, there wasn't. No, no, Which one no. am I talking about? Is that number two? About... Uh, no, the first one's the one that had William Shatner's uh, ass. Yeah. And thank you for making me think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Captain Kirk has got to get some, too. I mean, you know, let's face it. He needs Nookie, too. <laughs> Yeah, but let me tell you something. If you're focusing on William Shatner's ass with Danielle Brisbois and, and, and uh, the other girl. Oh, Danielle Brisbois, that's the second uh, one. Yeah, that's the uh, then, then, second You know, <laughs> then, then, then let's just say you're part of the LGBTQ community. Let's just say that. Oh, well, actually, no. Because you, yeah. Yeah, I can remember when Big Bad Mama took them out. It was all in the Inquirer and all the, the scandal sheets. Uh, oh, my God. Archie Bunker's little girl gets naked in a movie. And when the publicist ran in, he said, Oh, my God, we're in trouble. Much more is this what? He showed my papers and he goes, What's wrong? Look at this. It's in the paper. Oh, no, it's horrible. This is more free pets than we could ever hope to get. <laughs> yeah, really. How much How much uh, do you think that uh, added to the uh, to, to the box office knowing that Daniel Brisbois was... Box office and VHS rental? Oh, God, yeah. Exactly. Look at, Listen, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Well, they probably didn't think about it as much until that golden goose walked in front of face and shit an egg. Mm-hmm. Very true. Made that Very fire true. in the Amazon. It had like uh, the only really new scene that Sandra Bullock ever did. And soon as she came back, you think that movie came out on VHS? And do you think it was nice and everybody was Thunderbolt Kiss stars in? Right. But we're forgetting about the first, which is the precursor to the World Pictures, and that's the AIP. They were, and they ruled with the cold films, the biker films, uh, the drug films. Drug films are really the more interesting ones. Yeah, I'm not hearing you well, man. I am not hearing you well. 
It's because I'm on the cell phone because of mom's using the regular phone. I'm sorry. Is that better? It's a little better, but but uh, it's it's real uh, touchy here. Sorry about that. Yeah, well, I'll get better later. But who was it that you loved as a director? Wasn't it Monty Hillman or somebody who directed Psych Out? Oh, that's Richard Rush. Yeah, Richard, Richard Rush. Rush. That one has, yeah, that one was made for the Memorial Day Drive-In Reading Crowd. It had, oh, let's see, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Bruce Dern. And it's actually a pretty goddamn good little movie. Oh, yeah. It, it's very good. Um, it's probably one of the best as far as the, the, the biker films. Um, well, Psych Out's the one in Hey Ashbury with a girl where. Uh, oh, the Hey Ashbury, okay. Uh, Bruce so, of the trip films, yeah, okay. Yeah, where Bruce Dern's sister is trying to track him down and she finds him right. out on acid with the help of. Uh, yeah. And let's not forget the trip, which is. Oh, a yeah. Without a doubt. Movie classic. Uh, And of course, you know, I mean, I was, I was thinking because we really hadn't, uh, you know, talking about the trip films, but also the, the biker films too, which had much of the same cast. Oh, That's God, why I made yeah. that mistake. Yeah. Hell, Hell's Angels 69, uh, Hell's Angels on Wheels. Yep. You're thinking of Wild Angels, which was also directed by Alan Arkin and also had uh, Bruce Stern in it, but it starred uh, Peter Fonda. Right, and there was the one, there, you know, and of course it wasn't just uh, uh, um, AIP that did these. Of course, the one I'm thinking of, what's the one with Russ Tamblin? Oh, Satan Sadist. I fucking oh, love that one. Which is Al Adamson. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I love it. Right after uh, Russ Tamling kills the living shit out of John Bud Carlos. No, not Russ right. Tamling. Uh, our boy. Our boy. Who was on the show. Gary Kent kills the shit out of John Bud Carlos. He looked disgusted and looked at his gun and goes, they used to pay me to do this shit. Yep. Yeah, and of course there's the one that took the biker movie out of the drive-ins and into the straight houses, which was that weird little movie in 1969, which became an indoor and an outdoor hit. That would be the Wild Bunch, right? I'm mean, not the Wild Bunch. The no, Easy Rider. Easy. Oh, Easy Rider. I was thinking. Oh, you said fifty nine. You I did sixty nine. Well, yeah. it's 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 the uh, uh, connection then. Fifty nine much anymore. Hell, he doesn't even <laughs> think of thirty two. I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck it is anymore. Give me a break. <laughs> But yeah, Easy Rider changed things up, and it was a lot of people consider that the last AIP movie. Because after that was when Roger Corman was like, 
I want to do something I never did at AIP. You know what that was? What? Make money on the movies you're directing. Oh, absolutely. That's why I went into uh, uh, producing. That's exactly why he went into producing. Yeah, well, he didn't intend to produce as long as he did. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you would always get these Memorial Day. You do the, 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 the B movie one rather than A one. But then the studios took over. Hell, even in March nowadays, you're getting one of the big bloated epics. And they're all right, but I wouldn't want to go see something like an Avengers Endgame at the drive-in. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. Yeah, why well, don't drive in? I want to see something like Alligator. Well, those were were the films that we all loved. I mean, you know, we weren't looking for you know the remains of the day or shit like that. We wanted we wanted fun, stupid stuff, and 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 lots of TNA. I mean, that's. That's the whole thing. That was the market. Moana and Alligator and Grizzly, and they weren't stupid. No. Any movie Absolutely that has stupid. on one of the sewer walls, Harry Lime lives. Yep. <laughs> it's not stupid. Or it has no, uh, not at all. Paul Barkell in his bed. Looking at a paper and on the cover it says, Mom kills and eats three babies. (laughs) (laughs) Or you have an action film where originally it was intended, but Roger Cole wouldn't let him do it. Having someone drive a car off the cliff and as it goes down, you would hear, (laughs) <laughs> yep. Watch Death Race Is it three thousand? Yeah, that was where where my my sweetheart uh, Mary Warrenoff uh, goes off the cliff. They were supposed to have that. Yeah. And you know, Death Race Three Thousand is one of the only. Okay, I can't even hear you now at all. Okay. Okay, I'll be back in a second. Hold on, people. But you know, you know, uh, taken from 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 Stephen here. Um, when you take a look at these Wait, films, Wait, I got something while I do this. Okay. Welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled, pleasure-packed evenings. Relax, come as you are, and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family. No parking problems, no babysitting problems. And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back.
On Saturday, six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday, the warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. Assault on Precinct 13. It's war in the streets. It's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. Assault on Precinct 13. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parents. Well, now I can freaking hear you. That that certainly helps. And John Carpenter in the 70s, early 80s was the king of the B-movie epics. And I'm not talking about the staying in studio, the thing, his studio movies. I'm talking his pre-sting and post-sting stuff like, uh, well, the one we just listened to, that one is just, it didn't cost no money. It don't have any real name actors, but God damn, how epic is uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Well, it's a brilliant film. Uh, and, and plus also, we, we love the actors in it who never really got their their uh, the real chances they should have. I mean, that's, that's such a great film. It seriously is. Yeah, it's the only starring role I know of of Austin Stoker. Right. And don't forget Daryl Austin in that, too. Justin yeah. is just fucking amazing in that film. There's so many films that, well, it's all on pretty 16, 13 is worth off of Rio Bravo, but there are so many films, including my beloved Tim and the Tenement, Game of Death, that just rips off the entire style and feel of Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, yeah. And then we go on from there to uh, The Fog, which we talked about on the 84 show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We yeah, did. I think it's uh, one half great haunted, haunted town cursed movie that... Falls fucking apart when the zombie when the zombie ghost things appear, mm-hmm. and Carl just thinks it's done good. Yeah, it, it's solid. It's not. It's certainly not as good as uh, as uh, Assault. I think Assault on Precinct Thirteen is damn near fucking perfect. Seriously. And no, I did not see that at, at the drive and I saw that on HBO, actually. Yeah. And uh, his best, which I thought was a big box office hit when it came up, but it turns out it really wasn't. And that would be Escape from New York. Yep. Oh. Did you get to see that one on the drive-in or the big screen, Carl? No, I did not. Oh, As I, I said, he, he basically he basically didn't do studio films at all. He really didn't. Well, his ass hurt after the thing. <laughs> well, the thing I saw in New York on the big screen. Oh, yeah. I've seen it at the drive-in, but still it was a great... 
But still, after all the hassle and stuff that he got from the studios and stuff on the thing and how Universal screwed him over once E.T. was a hit. Right. It wasn't until the 90s he did his next uh, big one. And Corman kept plugging on, of course. But, yeah, The Sword and the Sorcerer, if you haven't got a chance to see that, try to see it. That is the best of the Conan ripoffs, don't you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Albert Pune. I will and, say this: uh, it's certainly better than goddamn "You're the Hunter" from "Your" or whatever that oh, one was. Red Brown. "Your Hunter for the Future," Red. Brown. <laughs> yeah, that that. You had thing. to go there, man. <laughs> of course, I had to go there. You think you're going to make me do a show 10 minutes into this and I'm not going to get you with something like that? You're fucking out of your mind. <laughs> but most people don't realize that your was cut down from a three-hour fucking miniseries. I know. I know. But, yeah, we had Cone and, well, yeah, we had a lot of car movies come out of the 70s. There was like... Uh, a uh, vanishing point, which really didn't do that good at the box office, did it? it, it no, it, it got its it, it it really got its uh, rep in repertory theaters. Once it hit yeah, and, and, and it's drive, really it, easy it, why? Because it's too drive-in for the art house theater scene of the seventies. Mm-hmm. But. It's to our house for the driving scene of the end. Yep. It made people that liked Tulane Blacktop go, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yep. And you could relate to the characters in Tulane Blacktop. Um, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, because we're all we've all been that kind of fuck up, you know, where we care more about the journey than winning or losing. Right. But then again, Tulane Blacktop really didn't get a fucking release. No. And then there's that other drive-in classic that uh, Monty Hellman did that. People went to see it to drive-ins because it had such a badass title. <laughs> Which one is Born that? Who are you to die. Say? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, which one? What? <laughs> yeah. what a mistake that was. Well, they were already in and they'd already paid. They went in to see. The poster has uh, Warren Oates with an axe in his hand and says. Warren Oates was born to die, and no one was going to stop him. Yep. And, Carl, tell us, what was hiding behind that title and poster? Well, it it certainly wasn't uh, born to die, that's for sure. That's not what people knew it as, because it had been released previously under its correct title, and that would be Cockfighter. And no, we're not talking about a porn film with, with, you know, 
blades as, as penises, okay? Just letting you know, no, yeah. we're talking about cockfighting, which is, uh, yeah, okay, you understand. And it's also an existential drama. Yes, and Warren Oates doesn't say a goddamn word throughout most of the movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, but it's not... <laughs> It's just one of those that they're like, well, what the fuck is that? Exactly. Exactly. It's another one of those I'm like, they're like, didn't you watch any of uh, any of his other fucking movies? Monty Hellman? <laughs> yeah, he worked for me. Didn't you realize he would put out something like this? I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, for years it was the only movie that uh, that Corman produced that lost money. And that's probably poor shit. I don't know about that because he did things so quick, quickly and so cheaply, and he had drive-ins, you know, you know, that's where he was making his money. I would not be surprised that's not true. He certainly said it was true. There's no question yeah, he said it. He was also important in a lot of art house stuff, and I'm sure a lot of those fell flat on their asses. Well, he was dealing with that a little differently, though. Um you know, that was a different distribution for him. Yeah. Let's talk about a dirty secret that most people that love Roger Corman for his drive-in don't really bring out. Who's the first one to really expose America to Ingmar Bergman's films? Oh, well, that would be Roger Corman. Corman. Who was the first one to, who was the one that Adam did a retrospective of two week, three weeks ago? Uh, now you're making Fast me think. Fastbinder. Uh, yeah. Fastbinder, Roger Corman. I yep. mean, it's, I mean, it would baffle people's minds to really look at all the stuff he really distri- distributed. Yep. But yeah, well, the car film was great at the drive-in because you couldn't go to a drive-in without being neck deep in car culture. And that was one of the big things about Memorial Day weekend. You got the good old boys that would drive out their cars, which they've been working on all winter and stuff to show off. And Memorial Day weekend was the first big summer holiday. And that's why mm-hmm. everybody go to the drive-in. They go to the lake and stuff for local pool go swimming, go home, dress up, go to the drive-in. That's it. Absolutely. Except for Carl, he would be there anyway. And a beautiful of course, girl I could walk up. You know, I, I'd be there the uh, uh, in, the, uh, in the projection booth. No, so so that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with uh, that. The thing was is that Carl was doing some things in the projection booth that after being in there two hours, 
a beautiful naked girl could walk up to him. A young Helen Mirren could walk up to him and go, Oh, I want to fuck you. And he'd be like, Sorry. It's ten minutes before the first meal comes, man. And I that's him for the second meal. <laughs> and you know what? You're right about that. <laughs> You're absolutely fucking right about that. Yeah, back then, driving didn't give a shit because they knew that if you bought weed in, they'd be like, "Yeah, we get your money at the snack bar." <laughs> you know, and the other thing too is, is at mine it was it was uh, New York, right? And New yeah. York at the time had an eighteen. Uh, um, your beer, so you could buy beer in there too. So yeah. And the other stuff, well, wasn't it always convenient that a drive-in within about a hundred, or like maybe three hundred yards of it would always have a liquor store. Yeah. And, and, and in the, the case of this one, they sold beer, but if you wanted to. Well, they'd be making yeah, money hands over If you wanted to, to take a just a quick walk down to Casey's, uh, uh, you could do that, and it would only be five minutes to get there and five minutes back. So yeah, you're, you know, if you wanted something uh, uh, better than beer, so yeah. Oh yeah, no question about that, kids. But yeah, that's one thing I miss is of oh, the Memorial Day drive-in thing. I mean, it really started when '82 when George Lucas released uh, Return of the Jedi on Memorial Day weekend. God damn, that movie yep. was impossible to see the first weekend out. Yep, I'd agree with that. No, I mean, really, it was like every theater was sold out like two or three shows in advance. For me, my dad said, fuck this shit. And we went and seen Star Chaser, the bizarre 3D sci-fi one that had uh, Molly Ringwald in it. Oh, okay. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. And it was pretty Yeah, I remember that. Good. What? I remember that one. Yeah, played HBO like a motherfucker. If you went home for a weekend just for Thanksgiving or something, you've probably seen it once or twice. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Don Coscarelli, too. He started in 1979 because Phantasm was a big drive-in hit. Oh, absolutely. That that was a huge hit. This Memorial Day, if this movie doesn't scare you, your skin is on too tight. Yep. And then the next year, I think he had Beastmaster. Well, of course, with Beastmaster, it's like... uh... The thing about that is, is, is that was an HBO classic. Yeah. It made a lot of money in the theaters, but yeah. 
the funniest thing about Beastmaster isn't Tanya Roberts' pussy. It's seeing Rip Torn as a cult master, basically playing Tulsa Doom from Conan the Barbarian. Rip fucking Torn. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you mean it was bizarre seeing him as a cult master? You know. Uh, actually, he was, as far as I'm concerned, he was the best fucking thing in the whole movie. Yeah. Well, John Amos was good, too, but they didn't give him shit to do. Right. But 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 Rip Torn, by that time, I knew who Rip Torn was, and I loved Rip Torn. Yeah. And what's funny is, you may be shocked, but Payday was a big drive-in hit. Uh, I, I'm well aware of that. Yeah. That's where I saw it, was in the drive-in. Yeah, it's like, we got this movie about this country singer who gets drunk and just goes around town tearing shit up and fucking all the women. We'll watch that. Oh, absolutely. It just seemed like they had a thing for watching a self-destructive, drunken son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the seventies were really something. When you talk about the seventies were really something. When you talk about antiheroes, seriously. And and so yeah, that was perfect. And and as I said, that ran the, you know, it's a good old boy, drinking and 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 and, and fucking women. That went over very well until the ending. And people were really pissed at us. But that's okay. We were okay. Well, down south, we weren't pissed because we knew that's how motherfuckers like him ended up. They get all yeah. fucked up and just end up tearing our car up and down the goddamn road. <laughs> and he, we turn each other, yeah, well, you know that shit. That's how Junior went out. Yeah, dumb son of a bitch. We told him not to drive home. Yeah. And then there was. The last of the Moonshine movies, that was like 70 or 73. You got Moon Runners and shit like that. But yeah, well, the good old boy movie stuff. was big. You would get stuff like, uh, well, Burt Reynolds was in the biggest one of the 70s, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, we, I, I think we got Smokey, but, but most of those we did not get because we were up north. Well, Smokey you know, and the Bandit was the, just that big a hit. The ones that you would have gotten... Oh, that, that's why I said we got Smokey. Yeah, Smokey and the Bandit we, and the Walking Tall movies. But we didn't get, get you know, Moon Runners. We didn't get the Great Texas Dynamite Chase simply because we were up north. Or Those were Dynamite much more prevalent with, for you. Uh, Warren Oates, which if you haven't yeah. seen Carl, you need to. Oh, I have seen it. Oh, I saw Ford those on HBO. Such a goddamn good time in there, isn't he? Well, you see, I saw all those southern ones on on HBO. HBO picked those up. Yeah. So I was able to see Still, those on HBO. Isn't Warren Oates just having the time of his life and Dixie Dynamite? Oh, he's having a fucking blast, man. Yeah. He's like, you go and race for us, and we'll share the prize money with you. Well, who's going to share my broken bones? <laughs> exactly. 
And, of course, my favorite, if you two girls don't go in the house right now and get some clothes on, I'm going to burn this motorcycle up. Got a match? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How can you not love Wordos? Seriously. There were so God, many God, of them, and there was White Line Fever. Well, the Walking Tall films were a big hit everywhere. Joe Don Baker well, you was know, a big-ass piece of wood. Joe Don Baker and Bo Svensson, mm-hmm. those movies made them. Oh, by the way, you did realize that turned out to be a TV series, too, with Bo Svensson. Yeah, there was a... Uh, uh, Walking Tall, uh, Buford Pusser, Great American Hero with Brian Dennehy as Buford Pusser, uh, Walking Tall 2 and 3 with uh, Bo Svensson. You know why Bo Svensson was in Walking Tall Part 2, right? I think I've told you a story. Yeah, tell me. Uh, Buford himself was supposed to star in the sequel, but the damn signed his movie contract and he bought one of the Camaros. In the 70s. And you know how twitchy them motherfuckers were. Yep. And he got drunk He got drunk as shit at the drive-in. I mean, at the county fair. And was driving that Camaro home and lost control and crashed it. His family states to this day that his brake lines were cut. But the official police files say... Fuck you. He was drunk and he crashed the car. Mm-hmm. And now we're at one one month before Walking Tall Part 2 is supposed to start filming. And they said, hey, Joe Don Baker, remember when we fucked you up that fucking ass about Walking Tall Part 2? Yeah. Why don't you just come on and star in it for us? No. Well, why not? Well, you remember those first words you just said? Oh, yeah. Yep. Then the last minute they pulled in both Svensson. Yep. And as I said, Bo Svensson actually starred in the TV series, too. There was a yeah. very, very quick TV series, I think, in 75 or 76. Yeah, it was after Walking Tall Part 3. And what's funny is Warren Oates was in one of the weirdest of the Southern Fried Drive-In Chase movies of the 70s. Okay, which one? Race with the Devil. Oh, yeah. The Jack Starrett one. You know, oh, him and Peter it's Fonda. It's a great fucking movie. Oh, but yeah. That is what a hell of an odd mix is what do you get if you mix uh, <clears throat> a satanic cult and a couple of good old boys played by uh, Warren Oates and Peter Fonda together, and instead of it being a creepy movie where the cultists are stalking them in life, they're chasing them down fucking I-95 throughout the whole movie. Yep. Yep. And of course it has a 70s ending. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, it's the 70s. Most depressing... A uh, decade in film. Seriously. 
and that's one th- and that's one of those movies where the seventies ending doesn't work because you're expecting a seventies ending. Right. There's no surprise with it, you know. It's like, yeah, they're gonna get him in the end. Why? It's fucking seventies. You're right. But yep. it's still a goddamn good movie, isn't it, Carl? Oh, absolutely. Great film. Great film. And then we got the Gumball Rally. Well, no, first there was uh, Cannonball, directed by Paul Bartel, which is pretty goddamn good. But don't, but you're what thinking, a race car movie and Paul Bartel? Oh, this is going to be funny. It's actually pretty goddamn straight. Right, Carl? Yeah, that is. Yeah, and and that was after Death Race 2000. So yeah. they expected it to be campy and funny. And so Paul Bartel and and and, and the screenwriter changed the whole rules, and it and it isn't, and people don't didn't consider it nearly as good because of that. I think it's it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm not dis- I'm not I don't disagree with you on that. And then there was the sequel to Cannonball, which was the Gumball Rally. Mm-hmm. And this one's pretty obscure unless you know it. Right. Paul Lamatt is actually pretty fun. That one was a seventies HBO classic, wasn't it? Yeah, seventies, early eighties, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you remember what the sequel to the Gumball Rally was? Uh, not offhand. The Cannonball Run! Aha! So, yes, there are now, as we're talking, three Cannonball Run films in that whole franchise. Cannonball, the Gumball Rally, and then Cannonball Run. The Cannonball Run is okay. Not great, but it's okay. Yeah, let's see. Dean Martin and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is good. Uh, Burt Reynolds is just goofing off. Uh, what's her name? The one who was it played the radio DJ uh, in uh, the the Fog. Oh, Adrian Barbeau. Great. Yeah, Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, don't you agree that Adrian's Barbeaus were the best? One of the best parts of the movie. Always. <laughs> Always. And then there was that one guy who did like a stunt scene in it and ripped the ass out of his pants. Nothing ever came of that guy, did they? Nope. And that would be Jackie Chan. You <laughs> see, for some reason, Golden Harvest. Tried to use Cannibal Run one and two as out as platforms to really introduce Jackie to the American audience. And for right. some reason, every movie they tried in the seventies and eighties to introduce Jackie Chan to American audience sat and stank like a turd on a fucking hot plate. Uh, not all of them. The the one he did with Danny Aiello was fucking awesome. That, oh yeah, it's good. Well, I'm That's talking more really like good. Battle Creek Brawl. 
Yeah. That's one of those movies you're watching like, why the hell did they cast Jackie Chan in this movie? Well, let's face it, Jackie Chan, you know, I mean, he has great physicality. He has, and with that physicality comes comedic chops. I mean, you could see where he was going, particularly when he started hooking up with Owen Wilson. Yeah. It took until the 2000s to get him over here, but like he did uh, Battle Creek Ball, which is crap. They could have just been lazy and released Drunken Master to Young Master, his good films over here, but they didn't do that. Nope. They had The Protector, which is good, and not because of Jackie Chan, it's just because it's James Glickenhouse, and James Glickenhouse is one of those things that, oh, it's James Glickenhouse. It's good, but you haven't seen it. It's James fucking Glickenhouse. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and, and that's he did the one with the that we were talking about with the uh, Chan and Aiello, right? That's called the Protector yeah, or something Protector. like that. Yeah, that's a damn good movie. And another film, you know, uh, he said, oh, I didn't lose money until that. I'm like, oh, bullshit. You released God Told Me To. That movie flopped. You released Bones. That movie wasn't a hit. Yeah, but they made their Things money back. They're bad movies. Supposedly they made their money back. Now, remember on? this, too. That wasn't just. New World. Yeah. Okay. Because it was Larco. So they, 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 yeah. uh, the way that set up is that Larco and New World would split the cost and split the money. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think New World got more of the distribution. You know, they got like a 60 40 cut. So more yeah. than likely they made money. But of course, then don't forget there was the, uh, uh, It's Alive too, which, just hit the fucking roof. That movie. That was Warner Brothers. I know, but it still hit the fucking roof. Yeah. The thing was, is all of Larry Cohen's films, he had a motto. I'm Larry Cohen. This is my movie. I don't give a fuck if you like it. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons I adored that man. Yeah. Seriously. And, of course, who else? We talk about this. Who else was like that? Who you love? Yeah, Sam Fuller. And guess what, kids? Sam Fuller was a mentor, and and, and, uh, uh, Larry Cohen was his protege. So, yeah, they they both, they're like that. (laughs) We don't fucking care. uh, We make it for ourselves. Yeah. And Q... Made Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel's number one, not top ten movies of the year that year that it came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What, you remember what that, a did wonderful Did you ever see the review they did for it? Yes. What the, they were sitting around, they said, we used to watch this movie, we were like, what the hell is this shit? What the hell is this? I don't <laughs> <laughs> We don't care, it's fun as hell. Yeah. 
and they played the scene where he's playing piano on the reviews. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, you notice in the review we haven't shown you one shot of the monster. You know why? Who cares about the monster? Michael Moriarty is that much fun. Watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in that movie. Yeah. You know, Carradine, Carradine, Tree. they're all yeah. wonderful. And let's face it, you love it too. Because that's the one movie that you can see Moriarty break Carradine. Oh, I love almost all of Cohen's films. I'm a Cohen fan, too. Don't forget that. Oh, I know. I know. But I I, I, I glogged on him a lot earlier than you, man. Of course, I'm older than you. So, yeah, I mean, no, I was... I loved I was, you for the first time I've seen it back in 83, 84. Yeah, but oh, let's, let's go long. back to... Let, let's go back to, to I, I saw... Uh, not Bone, but everything else from Bone on, from It's Alive on, I watched every fucking yeah. Cohen movie. And and while I was working at the drive-in, if Larry Cohen was there, we were going to get that movie because that was one of the reasons I kept working there. I said, you're going to promise me that. Everything he does, you're bringing here. And, yeah. and he did, too. Howard did. So, oh, yeah. From about 74 on, I was a huge Cohen fan. And he's another reason why us 70s and 80s guys are like, oh, they're like, you like that 70s and 80s great exploitation. We're looking at the level of directors that was in there, like, yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> we don't have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had Joe Dante, who made two written in stone drive-in genre classics and they're yep. from about set, late seven, 70s to the 80s that would be uh, Piranha and The Howling yep we're not well, even counting and, uh, what is it Sunset the movie one what are you talking about Sunset, but not Sunset Boulevard. The one where uh, they have they was like the the girl on the movie set. Him and Alan Arkin no did together that they were going to call Roger Corman's cheap. Oh, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, Hollywood Boulevard. That one's just hilarious. I mean, can you think of any other comedy movie that would stop? Right in the middle of the movie, just for a two-minute bit of uh, Commander Co- uh, Cody singing, everybody's doing it now. Yeah, Commander Even Commander Grandpa- Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen. Yeah, what's Grandpa? What's Grandpa? And Grandma doing? Fucking everybody else is fucking, 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 fucking. <laughs> everybody doing it now. Oh, and guess what? <laughs> I didn't catch on to until just listening to that song about a month ago. You remember that bit in that uh, Black Dynamite episode where they're talking about back in the days of fucking? You're talking Black Dynamite, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember, you said, 
We're back in the days of fucking, sucking, fucking, sucking. Yeah, everybody's doing it now. So <laughs> 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 yeah, Hollywood Boulevard. That one's hilarious. And from what I heard, it's mostly true. <laughs> A lot of it was a story from Jack Hill from filming in the Philippines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and... and, and uh... Let's face it, too. Let's not forget that that the queen of of Roger Corman flicks was was Mary Warnock, and Mary just yeah. has a great part in that. You remember why they cast her in the, as the killer, don't you? <laughs> because because uh, 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 what's his name wanted her as the killer. And that's because she was the only one in there that was tall enough to match the stunt double. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, they filmed the scene of the stunt double running with the knife. And they're like, shit, we got to get someone tall enough to match the stunt double. Mary, you're the killer. Why? You're as tall as the stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, really, at the last thing you had uh, Art, uh, Dante with, and he really went on. He did good in the studios, but uh, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, The Howling, Piranha, Driving oh, yeah. Classics. You wouldn't see American Werewolf in London. That was the indoor movie. The Howling was the outdoor one, and even had Dick Miller in it. Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and that's yeah. the thing. That that's the other thing we really haven't talked about. Corman is he had this cadre of of actors that you would see all the time. And of course, Paul Bartel, uh, uh, Mary Warrenoff, uh, uh, and and of course Dick Miller. Oh, yeah, and P.J. Souls got her start with oh, Rock and Roll yeah. High School. Uh, yep. What's his name? Clint Howard. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, The Howling, yes, I wanted those that think The Howling is a better movie than American Werewolf, but I said before about my the reasons I don't like American Werewolf like that movie. I mean... Really? Well, well, to me, the Howling's a lot, lot smarter film. Uh, I mean, there's just so much going on in that film, and so many, uh, uh, um, what do they call Easter eggs and stuff like that. It's just, it's insane. It's so much. It's so funny. Oh, and speaking of, what character makes their thirtieth appearance in the Howling? Uh, that would be John Carradine, I think. No, Dick Miller is Walter Paisley. Ah, yes. It just seems like every time he's cast in a movie, he's Walter Paisley. Well, that was his signature role. That was his signature role. No question about it.
Oh, and you know what? A Looney Tunes character was referenced in, in uh, Gremlins by a Dick Miller character? Uh, tell me. Elmer Fudd. Oh, I could believe that. Murray Futterman. Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. And Gremlins and Gremlins 2 are definitely, would be definitely drive-in movies. Agreed. Though the second one, if it was Dante's full R-rated version, that would have been a classic. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, you know, I still want to see a gremlin running years, around the New York subway shooting people. <laughs> well, over the years, you know, he's been one that's, that the studio stepped on a lot and not let him do exactly what he wants, which I think is really unfortunate. Because they risked too much money on film to let people take wild risks like they did back in the day. You know, let me tell you this. You you alluded to it, but there's a reason why you went to see all these movies, you know, from New World. And the reason you went to see these movies from New World is on all the trailers, there was this helicopter crash. Yeah. And and the whole thing about that is that was uh he was cutting trailers uh um for for Corman. And um so Carl, that was his signature. Carl, his signature. why do you want me to cut this fucking helicopter trailer in this helicopter in this trailer? There's no fucking helicopter in the movie. Because it looks good. Yeah. If people oh, get down good. and watch the fucking movie. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so every trailer would have the fucking helicopter. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, Dante has said that he directed 70 mini-movies before he directed one movie. Right. But yeah, I mean, very... uh, porn and Roger Corman Studio were the only place you could walk in and say, "Hey, I want to edit a movie. Have you ever edited it before?" No. Good. There's an editing bay over there. He'll tell you what you need to do. Have it done by Saturday. But it's Thursday. Fuck you. We Have don't it care. Done we by need Saturday. it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the eighties is when the drive. Well, the eighties still had the classics. We haven't talked about any of the big replaying classics of the drive-in, which would be uh, Last House on the Left, uh, Thunder Road. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Walking Tall series. Those are sure things. Every that's one thing about the independent theaters. They always had their sure things. They would always try to book once a year. Yep. And it's because that your boy booked his sure things that he could show the oddball shit. 
Yep. It's like, Carl, why are you showing this fucking Monty, this fucking uh, movie by uh, Battleland's director? Who is he? Damn it. Uh, Terrence Malick. Why are you showing this fucking Terrence Malick film? It's boring. No one will come. Fuck you. I'm playing Texas Chainsaw Massacre in two weeks. We'll make fucking four times the money we'll make in the next two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the weird thing was is that for his first two movies after Badlands, that's a weird thing that Malik started out with pretty much a drive-in hit. Well, that's because you could put it in with the Southern Drive-In. Now, that's not where I saw it. Well, not the Southern Drive-In. Remember the true crime movies that were coming out? Uh, that was a smart thing on Helen's part to put in movies like, what can I do? Oh, yeah, Badlands. This will fit in with Bloody Mama, uh, Crazy Mama, uh, Milius Dellinger. Yep. American Graffiti. Yep. And that's not you saying that it was a drive exploitation movie, but it was a true crime movie. And those things, they ate them up like candy in the drive-in. Uh, the ones that we're not mentioning, uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Hell, yep. you and Last House on the Left open up with everything you've seen is true and Banson exploitation. Mm-hmm. And I would put Badlands as one of the best true crime movies ever made. Oh, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And the weird I would thing is that. By the time uh, Days of, yeah, Days of uh, Summer, is that the second one? No studio could no knew what to do with this. They're like, what the hell is this? There's no plot. Right. And he got, Malik got yelled at because the, cause the sex scene in the movie, there wasn't no sex. Right. Where's the either. fucking? This is a fuck scene. Where is the fucking? I need my fucking to sell this movie. <laughs> yep, not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Ain't gonna happen. They were expecting a hard-boiled James Kane type movie, which you really would expect from Days of Heaven if you just read the plot summary. Right. But it ain't. And not even close. Not even close. Honeymoon killers. uh... But that was always the nice thing about the driver. They had a triple bill, so you would get the weird little shit like A-film, Last House on the Left, B-film, Halloween, C-film, Scarecrow. Right. And isn't that where 
uh, your guy will put the experimental shit at the bottom of the bill. Well, he, okay, so we've talked about this. There is this sort of like rule when you're doing driving. Okay, so think about who's coming. So what are they going to do first? They're going to make sure they have their beer, they have their food. They're going to get settled in, then most of them are going to make out. And then they'll get up and they'll, they'll like hang out and smoke and maybe do it again, right? So there's this time frame when you first come in, first feature. The first 30 or 40 minutes, they're really not paying attention anyway. Yeah. Okay. So so you get to a point where if you want to do the experimental stuff, if it's if it's boring experimental, you do the first one. If it's really fucking weird shit, you wait until they're high. <laughs> and you run yeah. next to the third the third, the ones that are the hardcore that that want to get absolutely fucked up in stone. That's where you that's where you get your your experimental crazy shit. Yeah. And you never would see any of the midnight movies at a drive in or a grind house. Because the midnight crowd was their own beast. Same with the grind house crowd. You would never see shit like Ginger, uh the Olga films, uh the Nazi exploitation films. No, you didn't run across us. That's very true. Yeah, that was the rough stuff. That was for the jaded audiences on 42nd Street. Hell, look yep. at Fight for Your Life. Have you ever seen the two trailers for that? Oh, absolutely. The one for the black audiences and the grindhouse crowd shows the white racist killers getting the shit kicked out of them by the blacks for 90% of the trailer. Right. But the one for the drive-in crowd shows the it's white the people. the other way around. Yeah, shows the white. Yeah. And that's on the yep. band list on this show. So you'll never see us be doing a commentary on that. And that's a mutual thing. It's one of those films I like, but. Yeah, we ain't doing that shit. Yeah. It's one of those if I like. I'll be watching like a black person come in. Oh shit! Hide this. <laughs> yep. Agreed. And you would see sci-fi to drive in too, but it would be like, uh, let's see, you go to the indoor theaters to see Star Wars, but you go to drive-ins to see Star Crash. Right. Because in the indoor theaters, they would be like. Oh, Star Crash, good. At the drive-in. Holy shit, Carolyn Monroe? Marjo fucking Gordner? Joe Spinell? We're there. None of us really knew who they were, with the exception of Carolyn Monroe. If you were a male and you didn't know who Carolyn Monroe was, then then you were not alive at that point, or you were dead. Or or yeah. by whatever the case, but you noticed her. Oh no, down south we knew who Marjo was. Well, of course you knew who Marjo was. Okay, yeah. he's a southern boy and he's a preacher's boy. Okay, you yeah. knew who he was. Yeah, 
And if you haven't seen a movie called Marjo about Marjo Gordoner, you need to watch that shit. Oh, I agree. That's one of the best documentaries about how they how people can be manipulated ever. Yep. But yeah, yeah, Star Crash should be the drive-in, just like uh, laser. Let's see, Laser Blast, Night Beast, Extra Prey. We like our mean and nasty aliens at the drive-in, without warning. Oh yeah, without warning is a lot of fun. I like that movie. If you like Predator, you need to see without warning because. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but without Predator is basically a rip-off of fucking without warning. That Predator had the cool little fucking, I mean, without warning, he had the cool little fucking alien monster that he uses as weapons. Yeah, that's true. But by the time 85, 86 coming around, uh, Bajor started making the drive-in movies and the exploitation movies like uh, Predator, The Running Man, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, the Cannon movies. And those never went to the drive-ins. And between that and the video stores, the drive-ins pretty much, well, they're coming back now like a motherfucker. That's the whole point of this Memorial Day. Because every drive-in there is in America is making fucking big bucks. Well, there's a couple things you need to know. I don't know if you've been following some of my posts, but here in the city, mm-hmm. we have a diner in in Astoria, which is down, just down the road from me. I'm in uh, I'm in uh, Jackson Heights, and yeah. uh, right down the road on Northern uh, is this diner. And what they've done is they have taken their their uh, parking lot and made made a a, a small uh, uh, you have to uh, a small drive-in where they show films on the side of their building on the screen, huh? and you have to uh, make Big, reservations yeah. for dinner. Get this, you have to have reservations for dinner. You yeah. go there in your car. You get your food, they got car hops, and you watch a movie. Yeah. Let's see. It cost me $60 for my DVD projector, and you hook it up to your either DVD player or a computer, which if you have Blu-ray DVD drive, that's even better because it's easier to deal with, and either get you a white sheet, or buy you a movie projector screen, which is actual real one, and it's made out of silk and it just works perfectly. And go outside, or buy a stand, or just hang it on the wall inside of your house with those hooks that you can remove and easy. And you got your own fucking drive-in, and that's what they're doing. Absolutely. But yeah, it's a wonderful I mean. Thing. There's drive-ins that are making million bucks showing, like the Riverside where the drive-in Monsterama is playing. They they opened last week to sell out crowds, and they just showed Willy Wonka and the fucking Wizard of Oz. 
Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Now, one other one that you may not have heard of that's happening also is is Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, they're well, they're doing that. The Yankee really Stadium. making a major fucking comeback this year. Oh, absolutely. And the price is cheaper. Yep. Riverside, let's see tickets. Uh, I think it's five dollars an adult, and kids under ten, three, ten to eighteen, or like uh, two fifty. You know, it's cheap tickets, and they have car nights too. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And if you've got a Roku box, which I do, you can hook up said Roku box to said video projector. And it works perfectly outside. Yep. So you can just basically go outside and just tear shit up with that. Yep. And what's today? Uh, and one of Carl's movies he's been looking at started yesterday on Amazon Uh-oh. Prime for free. Which movie is that? Come to Daddy. Yes. And where is that? That's on Prime for free? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking cool. And, uh, Shutter has blood machines. How is that, Which by the is, way? Oh, I've heard it's great. Everyone has seen it, heard it's great. I was supposed to see it at the KHF, but I missed that day because I was sick. And it's like, an, it's like a trippy, drug trip, religious, sci-fi movie. Okay. Yeah. That sounds interesting. And, okay, cool. of course, every weekend on Shutter from now on is uh, uh, Joe Bob's Last Drive-In, and last night they had The Exorcist 3 and Dead Beat of Dawn. And they've had pretty good shows this season, except for Heathers. <laughs> oh, fuck you. I love Heathers. I know everybody loves Heathers, but me and they say the same thing to me. I'm like, oh, fuck Heathers. I'm like, oh, fuck you. I'm like, Jesus, you're five <laughs> years old, kid. I don't care. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you can take your Roku box and go to your Netflix. Go to Amazon Prime. Get a drive-in movie and watch it that way if you have a v- a DVD projector. So if you want to go out and watch a movie, there's easy ways to do it. You can go to Walmart, pick up the same kind of uh, a DVD, a video projector that I have. And if you've got the HDMI cord to hook it up and a long enough extension cord, 
boom, you're in business. Just get your ass a thick, thick white sheet. Yep. And sorry about that phase four. Good. The storms are going around, and I don't trust that. We'll do that. T- let's see. Here's what's coming up. Uh, Sunday, tomorrow night, we're going to be doing the rest of 1984 with uh, Choose Me and a lot of classics. Yeah, yeah that's going to be good. And we'll be having Kevin back, too. That'll be very good. I didn't know if you wanted to come back. It's one of those, like, Kevin, do you want to? Boom! What is it? I'm, like, hanging off the floor. He's got his hand around my neck. I'm like, Jesus Christ, buddy. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what you're going to be watching tonight. I might be watching my Blu-ray of Guns Akimbo. I mean, there's something about watching... Uh, Daniel Radcliffe with uh, guns nailed to his hand, being chased by a psycho girl who lives on cocaine. Sounds good to me. Sort of sounds like something like Crank. Yeah, it is. And it brings up questions you never thought before. It's like, how are you going to put on your pants and piss with guns bolted to your hands? True. Yep. What do you think you're going to watch tonight? Or what was you watching before I intruded in your little life bubble? <laughs> that would be The Comfort of Strangers. Oh, what do you think of that so far? I've only, I only got it like 20 minutes into it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't Mayor Schrader in that movie in love with Venice as much as Rogue was? Oh, yeah. And don't There's look no now. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. And that one is announced coming out in uh, August from Criterion. And if you love your quirky 90s vampire movies, oh, shit. Well, no. Yeah. Just watch it. It is an underseen classic. Oh, absolutely. And for all you people like Carl, you get to see Helen Mirren make out with Natasha Henstridge. Yay! Listen, uh, nothing's going to beat Caligula. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Okay, uh, let's just leave it at that, okay? (laughs) I know that Malcolm would agree with me. Yeah, that would be the funny, funnest part about getting Malcolm on the show. Just have both of you talk about Helen and that scene in Caligula. I would just sit back and might be do a two-hour show on that. You just going, how was it? I would love to have Malcolm McDowell on this show. You kidding? I mean, that that's like that's like a holy grail. Yeah. Malcolm. But you know Monday, what? We actually well, had a. We're going to be doing our Memorial Day show, and we're going to be doing. Uh, Go ahead. Sam Fuller's The Steel Helmet. If you're expecting a beautiful We Love the Army movie and show from us, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and Tuesday, this is not John Wayne. Getting uh, fucking uh, phase four out of the way. I'll have that posted on Tuesday night. And what do you have going on for Cross Cavern Tuesday, or are you in uh, limbo right now? I'm in limbo. Uh, I'm in limbo. I know that next, not not this Monday, which is Memorial Day, but next Monday. We'll be doing a show with Noel Vera and uh, Bill Reynolds on uh, movies that were popular that we hate. We despise. We think they suck. We don't like them at all. And that's what we'll be doing on next Monday. Yeah. And Carl's will be the thin red line. Oh, wait, that movie is never popular. <laughs> no, no, no. I love the thin red line. However, there's another one that could make it on that list that was out at the same time. Oh, that's the yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that's Memorial definitely Day gonna make it, in. but it could. That it movie could. uses its Memorial Day bookends to take what could have been a hard hitting movie if they had not had those fucking bookends. Yeah. And just turn it all sappy. Which, what do you expect from Spielberg? Seriously. He's the guy who killed really? the fucking little kid on screen. So did John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the most okay. fucked up scenes that, from uh, Precinct 13, that little girl. Hey! Yeah, really. Oh, shit. Yeah, this isn't your dad's movie, that's for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's when that's when everyone's like, where the fuck we going now? Where the fuck we going? I don't know what the fuck's going on. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> yep, and, and I forget what show that uh, uh, Adam is doing on Friday, but he's going to be doing the cathode ray mission, and he's got things set for, like, until August. It's yeah, this motherfucker is getting ambitious. <laughs> he's doing wow, man. I'm I'm really proud of him. I'm seriously yeah. proud of him. And people enjoy this Memorial Day weekend, but stay safe. I don't want to turn on my motherfucking <laughs> TV Tuesday or Wednesday and say another hundred thousand people catch this bullshit. Stay safe, goddammit. We don't want to do this to take away your freedom. We don't do this because we like you. We do this because we don't want your families to go to funerals. Right, and you know what? I I will say this as far as, you know, taking away our freedoms and and wearing a mask. And I say, you know why you wear a mask? Because you care about other people. And they're more important than your liberty or your perceived liberty, that their health and well-being, and that's what you're supposed to do when you're a Christian, is care for others. Okay? Yeah. I want. That's I don't I want you to annoy me, then guy. I want you to be here to annoy the fuck out of me next year. <laughs> well, listen, I plan to be here to annoy the fuck out of you. 
Includes our LGBTQ uh, audience and please do and enjoy yourself. And we're definitely going to be doing an LGBT episode next month. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there may be two because one will be filmed. But but I just got a connection with someone who wrote uh, uh, the definitive TV one. So so I'm I'm looking to try to connect with him too, Stephen Caputo. Oh cool. So there you go. And with that, so we're trying to do the best listening. here for your ear ear uh, 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 entertainment here uh, at Wildside, and I want to yeah, thank Stephen for having me on as always. Yeah. And we hope we caused you lots of eargasms. Uh, yeah, eargasms, orgasms, you know, particularly if you row a boat, you know, whatever. And row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. <laughs> Holy shit, there's a waterfall, we're dead. Fuck. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Lovely. So well, we're going to close. Go ahead, Carl. I was just as say good night <laughs> yeah good night and we're going to open it and we're going to close this with a song from a Larry Cohen movie nice good night good night people thanks for, for listening Get ready.